Welcome to this week's bonus interview on the Prayers of Rest podcast. I'm Kendra Stanton, your co-host, and this week Asherita is joined by her guest, Leslie Leyland Fields, to talk about praying for parents who have hurt you. Leslie is an international speaker, teacher, and the author of 12 books. When not traveling, she lives on two islands in Alaska, where she leads writing workshops based on her latest book, Your Story Matters, Finding Writing and Living the Truth of Your Life. She is also the author of Forgiving Our Fathers and Mothers, and is passionate about leading writers toward a better story through forgiveness. In this week's interview, Leslie shares about the deep hurt she experienced in her relationship with her father and how God challenged her to forgive him. You'll especially want to listen in for the part where Leslie talks about how forgiving our parents does not necessarily mean that we should pretend that the wrong they've done never happened or that we should automatically involve ourselves in their lives again. Before we dive in, I wanted to let you know that we are so close to the official release of Asherita's new devotional. It's called Prayers of Rest, Daily Prompts to Slow Down and Hear God's Voice, and it's available wherever books are sold. But as a listener on the podcast, you can get it for 40% off when you order on moodypublishers.com and enter the code PRAYERSOFREST40, that's 40 at checkout. And make sure to hold on to that receipt number because we're offering you a free audiobook as our thank you for pre-ordering the devotional. This offer is exclusive to those who pre-order, so make sure to do that before the book releases. You'll find all the information about pre-ordering and claiming your bonus when you go to prayersofrest.com. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Well, Leslie, as we start here, would you share with us just briefly your story? Uh, What is it that has caused you to sit down and do the monumental work of writing a book on forgiving our fathers and mothers? Yeah, thanks, um, Asherita. It it was a book I didn't really want to write because I didn't really want to forgive my father. And I think a lot of us maybe can connect to that. Um, My father was um, emotionally completely absent um, while I was growing up. He was unable to support our family. So we were in extreme poverty uh, my whole life. And that caused a lot of conflict between my parents that made our growing up. um, We just grew up in an atmosphere of so much discord and um, violence and, and hurt and hate. Um, And, and that was so very painful when I, as soon as I was 17, graduated from high school, I left home and never wanted to return again. And I went far, far away. <laughs> I went, I went from the East coast to Alaska. So that's what I was doing. You know, I go far away and so that I can try to become, um, whole, a, 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 a real person. And, um, to, I got married young, um, so I, I think I was, you know, we're looking for love. If we don't experience love from our parents, we're looking to find love from, from somebody. So that's, um, that was my quest. First of all, I'm sorry for the pain that you endured as a child. Uh, it breaks my heart every time 
I hear someone sharing that because I know that was not God's good intention for us. Um, and that's, that's just so hard, but I'm grateful that you're brave to share that because, um, before we hit record to start, I was sharing that your book is, um, one of the signposts on my journey, uh, because it was the very first time that I read of someone else who had grown up with hurt in their childhood and came to the realization that there's work that needs to be done here. Mm -hmm. And it starts with being honest about what I experienced. Um, because I, I've shared a little bit of my story here and there, and it's, it's not quite at the point where I'm willing to dive deep publicly. Uh, God still has work to do on my heart in the meantime, but, um, I grew up with an assumption that honoring my father and mother meant I never said anything bad about them, even mm -hmm. if it was something that I experienced. Mm -hmm. um, and so that caused me to numb and to ignore mm -hmm. a whole host of experiences. Um, and I love that you brought up that word wholeness because we can't be whole if we're ignoring part of who we are and, and part of what we experienced growing up. So what, what, what was that point for you where you left your home? You went as far away as you could. Um, where was the point where you said, okay, I can't just run away from this. I need to actually turn around and face it and acknowledge it. Right. And the thing is, um, it took me a very long time, Asherita, not until I was almost 50, um, and, and the Lord orchestrated this whole thing, you know, in, in spite of my efforts to run away and simply put, uh, my father became elderly and I had very little contact with him and the Lord actually connected us again. And I remember the moment that I was standing in church and praying as my church did every week, the Lord's prayer. And praying that part of the prayer where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the minute I said those words, I like opened my eyes and thought, what? Wait, who just put that in the Lord's prayer? That hasn't been there before. Mm. But suddenly I saw it in relation to my father and I immediately began to recognize, yeah, I've been running away from him. I've been running away from um, my past and, and I need to stop. And I very much felt like Jonah who God, you know, God told Jonah, you've, I want you to go and forgive the Ninevites. And we have to understand who the Ninevites were. They were a barbaric, violent people who were literally not metaphorically, literally the enemies, um, of the Israelites, but God in his great compassion said to Jonah, I want to forgive them. That was God's heart to forgive them. And Jonah is like, no, they are horrible, bad, murderous people. You don't want to forgive them, God. I don't want to forgive them. You know, and he ran. And I, that very much, I think, is the story of my life, is running away from forgiving who God wants me to forgive. And so that, that began my turn back um, to the past and reopening um, all of this with my father and I have to say, there's that push pull, right? You want to keep doing what you've been doing, which is ignore and deny and compartmentalize. 
But in truth, that hurt, that anger, it leaches out. It leaches out into other parts of your life. You don't want it to, you don't intend, but it does. So we have to stop. We have to turn around. And God's got good things for us when we do. I'm so glad God just grabbed me, you know, by the heart and, 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 and by the neck it, because he had some beautiful things um, ahead for me. Hmm. I appreciate what you shared that, you know, we, we want to compartmentalize. We want to say, well, that was the past. This is the present. They are not connected and I'm just not going to think about it. I'm not going to deal with it. I'm just going to focus on what I have in front of me right now, but it does, um, bitterness and resentment and anger tend to come out sideways. Um, and I'm, like I said, I'm grateful that I stumbled on your book and other resources early or in the journey for me. And it's been, uh, probably about 10 years of continuing to unravel. And it feels like one layer leads to another. It's like, wait, I thought we dealt with this. And yet here it is popping up again in a different way, in a different relationship. And it's easy for me to just write it off as, well, it's not related. But a lot of times if I'll actually sit with it and I'll sit with God in prayer and, and be honest about those hard emotions. We, we prayed through hard emotions last season in season five of this podcast, the, the judgmentalism that comes up, the anxiety that comes up, the anger. Um, a lot of times actually sitting with those emotions, God's spirit does a work of revealing what's underneath. Have you experienced that in your life? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's, that's so important. Um, the, the stopping the, the daring to turn around. And the thing is, the Lord is with us. He's usually, he, he's the one turning us around and he is not going to abandon us. And in this hard work, that's where we will find him most present. Through that whole process of forgiving my father, I was able to witness um, the mercies of God. And the mercies of God are so much deeper and wider than I had ever imagined. As I watched God pour out mercy upon my father who um, didn't deserve it, right? And this is the definition of mercy, right? We, we are given mercy um, in spite of deserving. You know, my father wasn't worthy in a human, in human measurement, um, to be forgiven. He wasn't worthy um, to be loved because of all the horrible things he had done. But in God's economy, it's a different economy. And um, what's really incredible is how God can take that hurt heart, that damaged heart, and how we can grow us toward compassion and grow us toward mercy for that parent even that parent who has devastated us. God can take the hurt heart and grow in us compassion. Mm -hmm. um, and most often that's how he does it, right? We see in scripture that it's uh, the servant was forgiven much. And uh, instead of turning around and having compassion on the one who didn't owe as much, he became hard hearted. Uh, and yet another another story where 
the woman comes and pours out everything she has on Jesus. And he looks at her and says, she's done a beautiful thing because she's been forgiven much and she loves much. And that love, I imagine, would follow her into the streets, into her home, into the relationships of people who mistreated her. Um, You can't pour out that love toward Jesus and have experienced his forgiveness toward yourself and then turn around and strangle someone for the hurt that they've caused you. Um, Right. And yet I think this is what we do. I look back at myself at what I was doing, right? So I... I experienced, you know, the full forgiveness of Jesus. He, you know, God sent his son to cover, to to die for every single one of my sins. And so I received that, you know, I received that forgiveness so joyfully. And then I was just like that unmerciful servant. Then here I am running to my father and putting my hands around his neck and saying, hey, I'm forgiven. I'm free, but you're not pay up, pay what you owe me. That's what I was doing. And then I realized, wait, my father can't pay what he owes me. He's bankrupt. He has no resources. He has no love. I'm trying to extract from him what he does not possess. And that was really a moment that was very freeing. Hmm. Here I am spending all my energy trying to extract something from someone who is himself absolutely bankrupt. I'm not bankrupt. God has given me everything. What am I doing? Trying to, you know, trying to beat out of him what he doesn't even possess. So God started doing a work in your heart and that caused you then to reach out to your father. Uh, what did that look like? It was scary. Um, so it looked like me getting on a plane in Alaska and flying down to Florida and going to visit him um, several times. I think it was three times altogether. And it, it, I stayed as long as I could. I had six children back at home. So um, my, my times were limited, but it meant me using my resources and my time and going to sit with him in his um, care facility and um, feeding him, sitting at the table and feeding him, um, pushing him around um, in a wheelchair. I was doing for him things he had never done for me. And I I'd like to say that God waved a magic wand and made it simple, but it wasn't. It was complicated. And it was, a, it was hard at first to be in the place of my parent pouring out to someone who never gave me anything, anything but, but hurt and hardship. And yet God made it possible. And I, what I want to say to people listening is, Don't wait for God to flood you with these feelings of compassion and pity. Take that step. Take a step toward your parent, whether that's a phone call, whether that's a visit, whether that's a letter or an email. Take it in faith, even if your emotions aren't there. And you know what? God will meet you there. And God will continue to open your heart as you respond to him in obedience. 
So that first step was difficult. And yet every step after became easier and easier until it really happened. God gave me deep love for my father. And I began to see him not through the eyes of a hurt daughter, but I began to to see him, I think, more like through God's eyes. Here's a man who nobody loved. Here is a man with no friends. Here is a man who had a really hard life. And God was able to transform my heart and to release me from what C.S. Lewis, he makes a distinction between need love and gift love. I think as, as, as daughters, we look to our parents with need love. We need their love. We look to them out of need, but God can so love us. We can be so rooted in him and his love as our heavenly father that we can turn around and instead give them gift love. Just love them as a gift, not needing anything back in response. Mm -hmm. Leslie, there's so many questions. I, so many directions I'd like to take this in. Um, and maybe we'll have time to circle back, but what I really want to hear from you next is what did you learn about God's heart and about who he is, um, as you were processing this with your father and, and walking out in obedience, uh, the love that you felt God pouring into your heart for him, for him. What did you learn about God during that time? Yeah, I, um, as I went down and spent time with my father in that nursing home, I was astounded at the work God was doing in my father's life. I need to tell you, my father is an, was an atheist and he, you know, there was no God. He was a believer in science. He real his real obsession was UFOs. So that was his, that was his whole focus. I flew down to that nursing home and I discovered that God had placed around him some, a a few amazing, kind, beautiful believers. There was this one woman, her name was Sue and Sue was a smoker and my father was a smoker and Sue and my father would meet out back in the smoking shed. And that's when they would have these deep conversations about God and about faith. And um, I saw again and again how God placed around my father. This man is an atheist and he's in his 80s and God is still pursuing him. God is the hound of heaven who so loves my father. He is surrounding him with believers. And, and I was one of them. I was one of them whose heart God awakened to bring me back into his life, to live out the gospel and to love my father. And I tell you what, Asherita, it took away my breath to see how deep and wide the mercies of God are. Mm. I love how your face lights up as you're talking about this. I mean, obviously listeners can't see that through audio, but there's something about 
moving our knowledge about God from intellectual, like I know God's love is deep and wide, and then experiencing it and seeing it in the flesh, seeing it lived out, and even getting the privilege of being a part of that, um, of being part of what God is doing in someone's life who has hurt you so much. That just moves that knowledge of God from head to heart to living it out. Um, And that's a lesson you can't forget. It, It sticks with you. It really does. And so Asherita, when I um, flew down to see my father, I was praying for a miracle. And the miracle that I was praying for was that my father would love me, would say that he loved me because my my father had not demonstrated any kind of love or attachment or affection or, or anything his whole life toward me. And so that's the miracle. You know, I wanted my father to say, I love you, Leslie, you know, before he died. And you know what I did? I did get a miracle. It wasn't the miracle that I was praying for. I think it was a better miracle. And the miracle was um, not that my father was able to love me, but that I was able to love my father. And that became so precious. When he died, I was able to cry and mourn for days because God had given me a true love for my father. Um, that, that's, that was a miracle. <laughs> and I still hold on to that when I think of my father now. Um, that's what I remember is the love that God gave me for him. Mm. What a beautiful gift uh, that God gives us not always what we want, mm-hmm. but what he knows is best for us. And that's such an incredible testimony to go. I think it was C.S. Lewis too, who said that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Um, and so to be able to move from a place of shutting someone out to, serving at the most basic levels, the basic needs, um, and being able to, to truly mourn in love for this person. Um, that is a a precious gift. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as you've been now continuing to, uh, write and speak, I know on many different topics too, but also I, I imagine you continue to hear from readers on this topic of hurt with baggage and relational um, difficulties that continue with adult parents and adult children. Um, I'm sure you've probably run into situations where it's not just a matter of, I don't know if I can forgive them, but rather I've tried to reach out. I've tried to build a bridge, um, but there's no receptivity or there's manipulation. There's a a toxic level of response there. And, and there are some, again, I've, I've read a lot on this. There's some who would say, you know, you just keep forgiving. You keep putting yourself out there. You keep loving. And that means that it doesn't matter if you're getting battered and bruised in the process. Um, and there are others who would say, no, healthy boundaries are important. And if, if they don't respond, then you just kind of give them their space and cut them off as the apostle Paul would say, um, you've lived through this and, and continue to live this out. 
what do you find um, that has been helpful with this message of, yes, loving and forgiving, but um, when it doesn't go the way that you're hoping it would? I Thank you so much for bringing that up because that is the reality for many people, right? Um, and I, I want to say this first. It's really important that people who are listening understand Forgiving a parent or forgiving your parents does not mean excusing or wiping away the wrong that was done. There are parents who have abused, who have committed violence, who have um, broken the law um, as they raise their children. It's important to know that forgiving your parent does not mean automatically returning to relationship with them. Some parents are still so dangerous, so disruptive to your family and to your own well-being that a boundary must be drawn. Once we marry and have children, we have our own family, that family, our family is primary, is most important. And if a relationship with a parent threatens that, your own family, threatens the stability and the safety of your own family, you are not in any way obligated to remain in close relationship with that um, harmful parent. In fact, I think you're obligated to to put up um, safety and boundaries around your family and around your children. So th- this is something that's, um, that, that can be very, very messy. Um, I have gone through periods of time of really reaching out and really extending uh, mercy and love and forgiveness. And then other times with the same parent, drawing boundaries um, because I was so hurt and so damaged and I couldn't sustain it. So know that um, sometimes this process of forgiving, um, it takes a long time. It's not always going to be neat. It could be messy. And it may entail at times when you do pull back and when you wait and you sit and you wait upon the Lord. Mm -hmm. So the most important thing is that you are following the lead of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will lead you. Yeah, one thing I'm I'm hearing you say is maintaining a posture of openness toward forgiveness and reconciliation, even when that's not necessarily possible. Um, and I, in fact, we're opening this season with an interview with uh, the pastor of my local church, and we we're talking about when there's church hurt, when there are people in your local church that hurt you, when there's toxic leadership or spiritual abuse? Like, how do you process that, that hurt, that relationship? What does forgiveness look like? What does restoration look like? And uh, one thing that was helpful to me, just continuing to process this theme of forgiveness, um, Pastor Mike was saying that forgiveness is given scripturally when a person asks for it, Um, as in when we ask God to forgive us, he will forgive us, uh, but he doesn't necessarily 
extend that forgiveness until it is requested and asked for. And he challenged me to go back through the gospels and read and see what Jesus says about it. And I was surprised to find that, that Jesus frames it as if your brother comes and asks for forgiveness or admits a wrong, you're to forgive him. Uh, if you, if you know, you've wronged your brother, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and seek reconciliation and forgiveness. And then Peter, of course, our favorite who says, uh, Hey, I haven't done it three times. I did it seven times. Isn't that great? And Jesus says, uh, 70 times seven, your, your forgiveness is to be limitless. Um, but pastor Mike helped me kind of process through the difference between a forgiveness that is saying I'm willing to wipe the slate clean um, and a uh, renouncing the right to judgment or vengeance. Um, and, and I'm eager to hear your thoughts on this. Like it's one thing to close off my heart and say, even if this parent would come, um, I, I will not forgive because the hurt has been too grave. And I think that's where many of us start out where we're just ignoring it and running away. And then there's a process of uh, pursuing that and saying, okay, God's doing a work in my heart. I acknowledge how much he's forgiven me and I'm now willing to forgive the parent. And so we reach out to seek reconciliation, to, to seek if we can do some work of rebuilding. But when there's resistance there or when there's a, a dangerous dynamic in the relationship there, then I found it helpful to think through saying, God, I am willing at any point to forgive, but in the meantime, while I'm waiting for this parent to be responsive, uh, I, I am releasing them to you. I am going to love for them. I'm, I'm going to love them. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to ask that you do a work in their heart. I'm going to be tending my own heart to make sure there's no bitterness that, that pops up there. I'm, I'm going to be careful of what's happening here. And I am eager, like the, the parent of the prodigal, I'm eager to see them come over that hill so that we can forgive and reconcile, but also holding on to, uh, it, it's not quite made right until, until there's a, a mutuality there. Um, it, kind of some tension. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So what you're talking about, there is this debate um, about, there are two perspectives on forgiveness, um, unilateral and bilateral. So um, bilateral is, is kind of what you're talking about, that you can't truly forgive until the other person requests forgiveness. Unilateral is when the person forgives regardless of the other person's response. I am a very strong believer in unilateral forgiveness. Because very few people will ever come to you and ask you for forgiveness. My, neither one of my parents has, nor will they ever, um, nor have other people who have hurt me deeply. I think if we condition our forgiveness on other people asking for our forgiveness, there will be very little forgiveness in the world. God asks us to forgive. And what that means is we are releasing our judgment 
we are relinquishing this person to God's judgment. We're taking them out of our hands of judgment. We're saying, God, this person is yours. I don't have to pronounce judgment on them. I'm not God. That's, that's your role. And this is such an enormous relief. So here's really what we do. Um, we, we take on all these roles of God. We are the um, police. We are the arresting officer. You know, our parent does something wrong. They hurt us. We go and we arrest our parent. Then we haul them before the judge. Who's the judge? We're the judge. Then we, take, we, we issue our sentence and we take them to prison. And then we're the prison guard who marches back and forth in front of that prison to keep them locked up in that prison so they no longer hurt us. That, no, those aren't our jobs. We are not judge, jury, prison, um, prison guard. God wants to release us from all of those positions. Let them out of the jail. That's what we're doing. We're freeing them from our jail. And it's exhausting to keep people in jail. It's exhausting to be God like that. We let them out of our jail and we, we give them back to God. They, they belong to God anyway. They don't belong to us. And that's what our forgiveness is. We are releasing them. And we do that whether our parents ask us, come to us and ask for forgiveness or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their response is. God has given us the ability and the power and the love and the command to, to release them to him. Mm, I like how you define forgiveness as releasing this person to God and to allow him to be the one who convicts and the one who, uh, hopefully offers forgiveness and grace and end, uh, and if not judgment, but we're praying for our parents. We're praying that they would experience that grace and mercy and forgiveness. Yes. Yes. Through this process, what have you realized about your own heart, uh, your own needs, your own sins, uh, the, the constant state of, I have something to confess here? Ah, oh, that's such a great question. Um, that really is. Um, you know, I, I have six grown children. And I, I get scared sometimes when I think about, oh man, I have hurt them. I have, I, I have not been the perfect mother, you know, far from it. I am so imperfect myself. And so I'm hoping that my children will show, and they do show mercy and grace to me. You know, I need that as a parent. And so in my own failings as a parent, that helps me to, to um, be more forgiving to, to my, my own um, parents' failings. Mm-hmm. That's so helpful because that's circling back to the Lord's prayer. That's what we're praying, right? That we would be forgiven the way we forgive others, uh, that the measure we use would yeah. also be used uh, in measurement toward us. I, I have a few more questions as we're moving to wrap up. Um, in what way did you experience God walking alongside you and, and being your good shepherd and bringing you to a place of green pastures, not in the resolution of the tension, but in the midst of the, the difficulty? 
Yeah. Oh, that's so that's that's so good, Asherita. I can tell that you have walked in this same path just by your questions. Your questions are so good. Um what I have discovered is um God's love for me is so much greater than I ever could imagined. I have discovered that God is my mother and my father for all of those gaps in my human experience. God has come in with his presence and his love. And while I have desperately longed for a mother and a father who loved me, that never happened. Instead, <laughs> I got God. I got God as my mother and father. And not only that, God has given me brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers in my church, in my online community, all around me, all over the world. And when I think about Wow, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know that if it weren't for the, these gaping mother and father wounds. God took those mother father wounds and He filled them with so much more, so much more than I could have imagined. And I'm just, I am, I'm, I'm speechless with the love that He's given me. And I can tell that. And again, what a gift that in in turning around in acknowledging the hurt and the pain in following God's spirit's leading it toward healing that he would also in his kindness fill in those gaps and bring alongside people i mean it, it, you need to first acknowledge your need before you can recognize that he's meeting your need um, mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think we're just blind to his provision if we don't acknowledge our our need in the first place and how kind of him to come in and fill those places uh, where, where maybe there was an ache of saying, well, I'll never experience the love of a father. I'll never experience the love of a mother, maybe not of our earthly parents. And yet he longs to fill those spaces for us uh, through the body of Christ. Now, there's this wonderful verse I love in Isaiah 49. Um, this is God speaking. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she would not have compassion on the son of her womb? And God is meaning this as a rhetorical question. But he says, yes, these may forget, yet I will not forget you. So even when a mother, a mother can abandon her child and how sad that is, but God says, I'm never going to do that. I will never do that. Mm. Leslie, what does it look like now to continue to trust God, to be faithful? Um, because this is, this is the rhythm that we follow in our prayers of rest. We start by reciting God's goodness and acknowledging uh, who he is and what he's done. We take time to express our neediness and confess our needs to him and ask for him to fill those gaps. We take time to 
seek his stillness and to sit with a good shepherd and allow him to cover us with his love. And then we end our time of prayer in trusting his faithfulness, um, preaching to our own heart and soul that God will be faithful to who he is and what he promised to do. He is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he will do in the world and in our life and in our relationships. And so we can rest in that we can trust him for that. And that's an ongoing process. As much as you and I would love to just snap our fingers and one day everything is better and our perspective has changed. And, you know, even if the relationship isn't different, we're, we're better. We never struggle. That's not our story, the side of eternity. What does it look like for you to wake up each day and, and decide I'm going to trust God's faithfulness mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is ongoing for me. Um, it, it means I get up and um, I'm still in relationship with a parent and there's still um, hurt that, that I can experience um, in, in that relationship. And it means um, turning that over to God immediately, mm-hmm. turning that over to my heavenly father immediately, and then, and then turning around and, and blessing and loving keep to keep going in that work of love and forgiveness. I think we have this um, a misguided notion about forgiveness that it's something kind of like asking Christ into our heart. That's sort of a one and done moment. Like, okay, I forgive, you know, you're released, you know, all is well on we go. Every time we have that moment of hurt, every time we are tempted to be bitter or to be angry or to lash out, we, we can choose in that moment to forgive. And it is, it's a day by day, um, just as in the Lord's prayer, you know, we pray for our daily bread. I think we pray to, to forgive and to release every day, every time that moment of hurt and that desire to express our anger or whatever, we have that, we have that opportunity. And so that's what it looks like every day for me. I'm still I'm still in that. And I think um, I always will be. And you know what? It goes on after our parents pass as well. Because as their memory pops into our head or their voice, the things that they said to us, the hurtful things they said, and they did, again, we have a choice. Are we going to wallow in that? Are we going to release them and, (laughs) and forgive them again? You know, this makes me think of the often quoted verse, Romans 8, 28, right? That God will work all things out for the good of those who love him. And yet we forget that that thought continues into verse 29, that the good he works all things is that we would be shaped and formed into the image of Jesus. Like that is the good that he is working. And I love how you bring up, you know, even even after a parent may pass, that that's an ongoing lifelong work that God invites us through his spirit to partner with him, to remain soft in our hearts, that he might shape those wounds into uh, scars that bear testimony to his love and his grace and his work. Uh, I, I heard a song 
years ago, again, that touched me specifically on this topic. Uh, and the lyric goes, heal the wound, but leave the scar, a reminder of how great you are, how great your love has been toward me. And, and I just thought, wow, for many years, I was wishing that God would heal the wound and erase the scar <laughs> so that I don't have to think about it anymore. I don't have to deal with it anymore. Um, and yet the scars can be good reminders of where we've been and how far God has brought us. And I think they can also serve as warnings. Uh, as Paul says, watch yourselves that you yourselves would not fall, that we would not repeat the patterns of our parents, that we would not allow generational sin to continue down our line. And that has been one of my prayers for my own children is, um, going to war in my prayers. I mean, we talk here about prayers of rest, but there is a place for spiritual warfare and saying, God, the, the sin of pride, the sin of arrogance, the sin of selfishness, let those stop with me. I see them in myself. May they not continue in my children and in the rest of my bloodline. Would you bless these coming generations? Uh, may those scars end with me. And may they be a reminder of the ongoing work you're doing. That's really beautiful, Asherita. And I, one of my um, one of my sayings is that our wounds become our superpower. And um, I, my ministry now, I have a, a story ministry. I have um, thousands of people in um, in an online class. Um, Your story matters. Writing. Um, the stories of our lives. And I had no idea that God was going to lead me this way. Um, but all of that forgiveness journey, that forgiveness work, um, that's such a huge part of what we're doing um, as we write our stories. And so my wounds, I can see, have become my superpower in those wounds. That's where we meet one another and minister to one another in the deepest ways. And God means it for good in our lives and in, in the lives of um, lots of people around us. Mm. Well, we will link to that, Leslie, in the show notes and give our listeners more information about where they can learn more about you and your ministry and how they can connect with you for uh, maybe someone's listening to this right now and saying, I need to do that work. I need to write my story. Uh, and even if it's never going to be published, it's it's for me, it's for my children, it's for my family. Um, I think that's where our words make their deepest mark is Absolutely. in in our immediate surroundings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Leslie, mm -hmm. thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you for sharing your heart, uh, for allowing us a glimpse into the work that God is doing. and the beautiful way that he is shaping you to look more and more like Jesus. Uh, it's a gift to the body of Christ and a gift to us today. Well, thank you for your broadcast and your ministry. And I, <laughs> I love being here with you and because you have such a beautiful presence, a restful presence, and that is contagious. <laughs> and I'm feeling it as well. So thank you so much for inviting me into, into your space. I hope Leslie's story encouraged you to recognize God's faithfulness in your own life as you pray for your parents or for others who have been hurt by their parents. 
Remember, you can always go back and listen to this week's prayer episode, which will guide you in praying for parents who've hurt you. If this conversation has hit close to home for you, or you know someone who is struggling to forgive their parents and you'd like to pray for them, you'll want to listen to the prayer episode that Asherita recorded earlier this week. You can find that in your podcast feed when you subscribe to the Prayers of Rest podcast. This episode may have also triggered all kinds of feelings toward a tricky relationship in your life. If you'd like some extra help in praying through hard emotions like anxiety, anger, guilt, and disappointment, you can download 10 prayers for hard emotions when you go to prayersofrest.com forward slash hard. The Prayers of Rest podcast is a production of One Thing Alone Ministries, helping you enjoy Jesus through creative spiritual habits. Many thanks to Angie Elkins for her editing assistance. And again, I'm Kendra Stanton helping produce this show. And thank you for joining us here today. Until we meet again, may you find rest in God's loving presence.